0: Well, the statistics are pretty clear. Sadly, many married people today are struggling with a secret addiction to pornography. And if that's your situation, we're here to help. I'm John Fuller, along with Greg and Erin Smalley. They lead our marriage team here at the ministry. And Erin, you do a lot of counseling. And um, I'm guessing that uh, that pornography comes up a lot in marriage therapy.
1: Absolutely, it does. And it's not just within the counseling office. It's, as you said, it's it's relevant all over the place. And the research says one in five couples report that pornography is a source of conflict hmm. in their marriage. And It seems
0: almost low given everything yeah. we yeah. see in the culture. It really yeah.
1: does. But it's a source of conflict. You know, is it that they don't know? Well, is it? it who secret. knows? Yeah. But the the chance of divorce doubles when there's pornography use by one or both in the marriage mm. and so it's just looking at often it's done in secret when it comes out how do we handle it do we go and get help you know on and on but it is something that is is destroying marriages and is having a negative impact on marriages and so what do we do as a culture you know, just recognizing that it is not benefiting marriages.
0: And with that uh, rather sobering framing, let's go ahead and turn to a conversation Jim Daly and I had with Rosie McKinney. Rosie leads a ministry called Fight for Love, and she has some really uh, important things to say about this topic. Rosie, welcome to Focus on the Family.
2: Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a great honor to be here.
3: Now, I noticed that accent. So you're from England.
2: I'm from England, from Yorkshire.
3: Yorkshire. You just love saying that. Even. I do.
2: I'm very proud. And uh, <laughs> But
3: you're living now in the last 13 years or so in the U.S. in California, correct? Yes,
2: on the central coast of California. And tell me about your family. Um, I'm married to my husband, Mark, and we have two boys who are now 9 and 11, and I'm attempting to homeschool them.
3: Well, let's start uh, with a question we received from a woman. A listener to focus on the family and then I want you to respond to this she said my husband cannot go one day without looking at pornography I told him it's an addiction and he needs help he refuses to get any help because he is ashamed I don't want it in my marriage or our family we have teenagers and I'm afraid they'll find it and think it's all right this could be the end of our marriage if we can't find a solution Do you have any suggestions? Now this came to us, of course we responded, but how would you respond to that?
2: I think first of all, I would validate that wife's instincts and tell her that she is um, listening very well to what the Holy Spirit is telling her in that this is a problem. If he can't go a day without looking at this, this is, as she rightly said, this is an addiction. And she recognizes that. Um, She's wanted him to get help it sounds like, um, but he's refusing to get help and she's worried that her marriage may end as a result of this, like it's going to get progressively worse. And she's probably right. However, I do have great hope for her because um, for her to get to the point where she's actually reaching out to you guys, I would suspect that she's been in pain for a very long time Mm. and she's felt isolated and ashamed and hopeless and helpless and uh, she's probably tried many, many things to fight for this marriage already. I would, from all the wives I've worked with and the wives in my community, I would say that she's probably tried the things she's heard, like just be more sexual with him, just be more graceful with him, be more forgiving, create a loving environment so he doesn't need to, he doesn't feel like he has to do this. She's probably tried that again and again, going against her own intuition, against her own feelings. Um, And, uh, but what I would say to her is, you haven't done the one thing that actually works. Because the problem, as far as I see it, is that she needs her husband to get into recovery, but she doesn't know how to do that because he won't reach out for help. Right. And this is, and what I'm gonna say now is so simple, and it makes so much sense, but yet, for some reason, we're not quite getting there yet. And that is, what is the reason that most married men get into recovery? You know, do they suddenly feel convicted one day? Some, maybe, a small minority. But what actually gets guys into that therapist's office is their wife forcing the issue. Mm
3: -hmm. Not accommodating, but forcing it. But
2: forcing. And there is something tremendously painful about a wife being brought to a place of desperation and pain where she has to force this issue. And so my whole heart my whole passion is to tell women that they don't have to wait you do not have to wait till your marriage is on the verge of a divorce till you're on the verge of a nervous breakdown you can actually take proactive action right now if you know or suspect that pornography is an issue in your marriage there are things you can do now to help bring him to repentance Mm. it isn't you that's going to bring him to repentance it's following God. It's by being obedient to God. And that's where I get tremendously excited because he's already provided the answer for us in the scripture. We just have to look at what it says. Right.
3: I want to uh, talk at that higher kind of uh, elevation. Give us the statistical information. I mean, what does it look like in culture uh, with the church and outside the church?
2: Okay. Well, we're very fortunate in that Josh McDowell did a massive study quite recently, where he spent like $300,000 to get the data that we so desperately need. And he found out that of guys who, um, evangelical guys who regularly attend church, 79% are regularly using pornography. That's,
3: I mean, that seems unbelievable.
2: It's, it, it is shocking. As now well. that's
3: everybody, that's married and single.
2: That's married and single. Of, Break
3: it down a little bit so between married,
2: those. So married guys, it's 55%. That's mm. over half of marriages are struggling with this. And these are
3: people who are going to church regularly, not just the general constituency. What does that number look like for the general population?
2: It is, it's not that dissimilar. It might be a little bit higher, but it's not Mm -hmm. that different.
3: So 78% of men uh, in general and in the church, and then about 55% of married men use it and define regularly.
2: At least once a month.
3: At least once a month. And this is actually going to a website or something. It's not just seeing a movie that's a little risque or catches you off guard.
2: Deliberately seeking out alluring material for the purposes of arousal. They're deliberately doing that.
0: Well, Greg, there is uh, certainly a lot of shame that accompanies the use of pornography. A lot of guys and gals feel shame. How do you help someone... Who says I've got a problem, but I'm too embarrassed to do anything about it?
4: Yeah, I, I love that question. It, it's so important to understand that sin thrives in an environment of darkness, uh, lies, and secrets. So I mean, by being unwilling to share that, I, I'm just I'm creating an environment where th- this particular sin is just going to thrive. Um, plus, you know, sin is very difficult to keep secret. I mean, you think about the energy that someone is spending to keep that a secret versus spending that same probably level of energy to not just confess, but then to get help leading to freedom, leading to a better connection in their marriage. I mean, they're spending more time, more effort, more energy to keep it secret. I I think though, for, for, for the most part, that, that person has to understand that probably either pride so maybe an attitude that I am okay, I can deal with this. I don't need to, I don't need to let her know, him know. It's either gonna be pride or fear mm-hmm. that's really keeping them silent. That fear is well if I do share, what if she leaves me? Or what? What if she always looks at me like I'm this, you know, sinner, this bad person? In in just recognizing it's the fear that probably keeps us stuck and unwilling to to share that. Versus, man, God teaches that confession creates freedom, and and there's freedom awaiting me and us to do that. I remember when Aaron and I. You know had these conversations around pornography, and there I didn't want her to know because I didn't want her to look at me, you know like um you've once again failed, like i just I was so afraid that she'd see me as a failure mm. and and yet when when we did have this conversation, as we dealt with this in our own marriage how how she responded. Uh, made such a big difference not not only in our relationship but even actually quite frankly, how she responded was a part of the healing process for me and and I love that Aaron now is able to counsel you know spouses, women, or men who who on how to respond mm. when their spouse needs to share something like that
1: yeah. mhm It's so important to recognize that you know talking about vulnerable stuff, whether it's pornography or an addiction of some sort, maybe alcohol or medication or whatever, whatever it is that we have to show up in a way that's tender and soft, because otherwise the person isn't going to want to talk to us. Our spouse isn't going to want to talk to us about it. And so as they do take that step, that risky step of coming towards us, how do we want to show up? How do we want to meet them there? And yes, you're going to experience emotions of anger, of yeah. your own fear, of what does this mean about us, about our marriage, about me, about him. Talk about that, but talk about it in a way that's safe. If you need to take a break and you know get some advice or counsel and you know take some time to pray and to you know, really get your heart back open. Do that, and then sit down and have that conversation. Well, you could
4: call Focus on the Family. We have counselors for free who can have that sort of consultation with you to to go. Okay, you know, I, I know my spouse wants to share something, or I'm going to confront my spouse about something. Mm-hmm. But we help me think through how can I do that in the best way and exactly how do I what do you that said. Well. It, yeah. Create an environment that feels so safe because hearts will open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a journey, but you guys will get to the other side of this if both are really focused on being honest and creating safety.
1: Well, and even come go and see a counselor. I had a couple recently say, you know, this conversation we just had, we would never have had it so well if it was just the two of us. It would have been out of control. And me just being there, having that third party present brings a level of safety. Yeah.
0: Well, I strongly believe that somebody listening right now needs to call focus because you can't get over the hurdle of shame or fear or guilt and you need to find freedom you've wrestled with this long enough give us a call and um, set up a time for one of our counselors to give you a call back they are safe they will treat your matter with great confidence they will help you get going in a positive direction.
4: Yeah, to think through how to have that exact conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah. They're, they're really good. My family has um, taken advantage of opportunities to connect with these counselors on multiple occasions. You will benefit from the call, 800-the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. We'll link over to the conversation we had with Rosie. Her book is called Fight for Love, Look for that link in the show notes. If you can, donate to help offset the cost of that book. And uh, and again, just check the show notes for that. Next time, we'll hear from Bill and Pam Farrell. They'll share about what to do when your spouse is addicted to video games. For now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and this has been the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.